I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, I'll tell you five of my sales and marketing pet peeves and how a few slight adjustments will build you a better, stronger company. Stick around. When you've been in the same industry for 20 years, you see a lot of trends come and go. What was old becomes new again. And as you listen to this, I want you to know I'm addressing it from the buyer's perspective, the employer you're looking to serve, whether they're a current client or or a prospect. So here goes. And and to avoid podcasts coming across or sounding all negative, which isn't my intention, I'm, I'm interspersing the sales and marketing pet peeves I see with my recommended alternate solution to increase revenue. Number one, webinar registrations. Now, I I see this from mostly larger CRAs. No, I don't have anything against larger shops. I'm a friend to all. I have great friends and a lot of respect for larger companies. I have great friends and a lot of respect for smaller companies. But when I, again, I'm putting myself in the shoes of an employer, when I'm signed up, When I sign up, I'm often asked to provide a lot of information. Where I'm located, my company size, my name, my phone number, my email, my title, whether I'm a current customer, how many screens I order. I I get why, right? Leads need to be funneled and tackled appropriately through the sales machine. But I wonder about the abandonment rate. How many employers don't register because the process is cumbersome at best? At worst, it it can just feel gross. Like, you're asking me all these questions to determine whether you think I'm worthy or not to be called. Now, larger shops may have considered the abandonment rate and determined that they'll trade that to best funnel their leads to the right salespeople internally. Totally fine. We're all adults here. But if you're asking registrants to answer 10 or 12 questions and you haven't discussed internally or you haven't decided that, yeah, you're willing to accept a percentage of people that wanted to see it but bounced, well, I think you should revisit that. Smaller shops, it's a no-brainer. I recommend you limit it to three to four pieces of information that you collect. You're going to be calling them all anyways, and it's more likely to be the same team members inside of your team. So let's make it easier for employers. Number two, and this is a cousin of of the first one. Content requests or webinar signups that are followed by a ton of emails and phone calls. I watch a lot of webinars, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I read a lot of content. It's how I stay sharp, it's how I'm able to help others so much, and frankly, it's something we can and all should do more of. Because it, it's, an, it's an implied, unspoken understanding. Employers get to consume your content, and your desire to provide it is as much about creating sales opportunities as it is providing the content. But attending a webinar that's followed by upward of 10 emails and phone calls in a two-week period isn't smart sales. It's pissing off your potential customers. Why? Because they might not buy tomorrow based on what they saw or heard, but they might next month or next quarter when you publish your next piece or when they have a stronger business need. And, and now they know you because they saw your webinar six weeks ago. But if you're spending the time between that, badgering them with emails and follow-up phone calls, nah, I, I, I think I'm going to buy from someone different. So in that example, you had the sale. All you had to do was not kill the bunny first. You know, lukewarm leads aren't bad. They're just lukewarm for now. 
they don't turn into buys because you checked in eight times in two weeks instead of three. It's the difference between sales activity and sales accomplishment. Okay, number three. And if you're sensing a theme here, it's don't piss off your target audience. <laughs> or at least don't do the things that make you think it's more about you than them. And this next one falls squarely into that category. Titles that have the word revenue in it. Specifically head of revenue. Listen, again, there's an implied unspoken agreement that yes, you will profit from my business. That's that's the point. We, we agree on it. I'm comfortable as an employer that you're making money off of me. In exchange, I'm not going to ask you your costs or your profit margins. Solve my problems for a price that I think is fair, and I'll celebrate your success with you. But just don't throw in my face that you see me as revenue or as if that's all I'm good for. The, the irony is shops that highlight this trend and use this title, they tend to be more focused on it, and they probably, maybe they sell more of it. Margins, profit, different story. Don't know yet. But but personally, it's enough to kind of push me away from buying from you. Because you've just told me it's about you, not me. It's a means to an end. So I'm just being honest here as a buyer. So while it may work for them for some, like before, if you've intentionally had the conversation and you feel it'll work out better and you're okay with whom it might repel, fine. But I recommend my clients avoid using this phrase in their titles. Here. Here's another ironic observation. I strongly encourage companies to define responsibility for and incentivize throughout their organizations those who increase revenue. But increasing revenue isn't just the sales team working with people they just met to sell them things. I have six different programs I teach my CRA clients about on how to grow revenue outside of their sales team. I just don't like punching employers in the face with the title. Keep it behind closed doors. What do I suggest? Titles that are more success and solution focused. Remember, you exist for and because of your customers, not the other way around. All right, number four. And, and this is just wasted energy, wasted marketing windows. Please don't wish me a happy President's Day or happy 4th of July or happy anything day. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, I think it will always be a waste of your marketing window. Best case, people ignore it. Worst case, you look small. And, and listen, I'm not mad at you, I promise. I just think there's better ways to connect with our audience. I watch a lot of companies' marketing efforts. Those I consider the best aren't wishing me happy President's Day. They're trying to teach me something or solve a problem. Number five, you say you're an industry leader. LinkedIn says you're a 13-person company. So, nope, I'm not buying it. And it's funny because I wouldn't likely have known or cared if you didn't say it. But you did. And now I see it because you also sent me a LinkedIn request. So now I'm kind of looking at your company. And and now I kind of don't believe you. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving on now. Guys, windows can close just like that and just that fast. You know, years ago, I used to look through the National Sherm Show's book of exhibitors and count the numbers of number of screeners exhibiting. I used to stop counting around 60 or 70, but some years there'd be upwards of 100 attending the annual show. Now I, I just count online. But then and now, I'm also counting how many shops say they're an industry leader. And yes, I'm using air quotes here. 
I'm sorry, but 41 industry leaders did not exhibit at the last in-person SHRM show. There just aren't that many. So when you say it, again, at best, I think no one believes you. At worst, no one trusts you. And it's really hard to do business with those we don't trust. Don't give employers a reason not to trust you. Same thing with, with partnership press releases. And again, you know, the, the, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm, I'm, I'm recommending things to not do. Okay, but let's talk about partnership press releases. There have been screening companies and software companies and applicant tracking systems integrating for 15 years now. But each press release I read just told me that the industry-leading CRA just partnered with the industry-leading ATS. It's 2020, guys. If you're industry leaders, what took you so long? So what do I suggest doing differently? Show, don't tell. Show me a solution. Show me a KPI. Show me your capabilities that lead me and convince me that you're an industry leader. It matters whether I believe it, not whether you say it. So to recap, number one, don't ask for 10 to 12 pieces of information when I register for a webinar unless you're okay with a percentage of people bailing because they don't want to provide it. Number two, don't smother me with follow-up emails and phone calls after I watch your webinar or download your white paper. A lukewarm lead is better than killing me off. Number three, titles that include the word revenue tell me it's more about you than me. And as a buyer, I might not be cool with how that makes me feel. More client-centric titles work better. Number four, wishing me Happy New Year doesn't solve my problems or make you more attractive to me. And now that time I gave you on LinkedIn is up. And now I'm looking at someone else that used that moment to talk to me about a problem or teach me something I can do better. What was the name of that company again that just wished me happy Memorial Day? Exactly. And lastly, employers are less likely to believe it when someone says they're an industry leader because everybody's saying it. No industry has dozens of industry leaders. Not one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Background Check Radio. I'm Kevin Bachman. Have a great day.